going now, I'm going to be concluding my uh, time in Ecclesiastes in the next three sermons I preach. Not necessarily in a row. I think I'm going to be preaching these sermons in the evening time. This is the first of three that are devoted to chapter 12, the last chapter in uh, Ecclesiastes. And I'm going to begin uh, reading uh, the last... couple of verses from chapter 11, and then read through chapter 12, verse 8. Ecclesiastes 11, 9 through 12, 8. Again, people, as you know, you know this well by now, this is the Word of God, <clears throat> and we are to Hear it and hear it well. Beginning Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine, thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore, Remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain, In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look out of the windows be darkened, and the doors shall be shut in the street when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low, and when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goes to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Wherever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. All is vanity. May God bless this portion of his word. Once again, Heavenly Father, we come into thy presence, and uh, we want to sup upon this word uh, and take it home with us. Uh, in head and in heart. For we ask, Heavenly Father, teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. 
As you know, I have been preaching mainly, I think I preached almost all of the sermons thus far from Ecclesiastes, beginning at chapter 1 to the present time in the evening service. So that's why I want to continue uh, doing that. And uh, it, it, this is a fantastic book if you take it for what it says, what it truly means. I'm not, I, I haven't gotten fancy with this. I haven't gotten strangely theological or symbolic, uh, as some have done. I haven't uh, visited the attempts made to say that maybe Solomon did not write this book, or maybe it was written by someone else, maybe an, a sort of an existentialist with tongue-in-cheek, you know, all these different theories that people have. No, I take this as it, as it just straightforwardly. Now, I realize that some of this language to us is not so straightforward. It is figurative, but it's still uh, grammatical, it is still straightforward. The figures, once I start unpacking them, and I'm going to go through a uh, sort of a commentator's view of things here, a solid commentary on this, and then it's going to get a little negative, but that's to, to show us a way, the only way that we can possibly survive this Vanity of vanity. As you know, that's the theme of the book. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now, we're coming to the point where we get an answer as why the preacher, who is Solomon, clearly is Solomon. I pointed that out long ago, why I think it was Solomon. But I didn't get into all the arguments as to why not. I don't want to do that with you. I can. I can teach. I can get into the uh, Hebrew a little bit. Not much. I'm not a scholar. But I can get into the Hebrew a little bit and all the nuances and stuff like that. But that's it's, it's kind of drag. I, I think that straightforward teaching from this uh, this book is serves us best. It's the Word of God. That's the first thing we need to remember when we go through a book like this. Uh, it, it is a difficult book. Not as difficult as Job, but it, is, it has some difficulties. Uh, but if we know that the author, ultimately the author is God, and he is telling us something, and the something that he's telling us is not philosophical, is not theoretical, Yes, it's theological, but bottom line, it's the truth. He's, he's pointing out a truth for a reason. So let's get into it a little bit, verse by verse, like sort of a commentary on each verse. And then I'll try to bring it all together at the very last verse, where uh, that's a simple one. To understand vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Wow. Okay, why is that so? That, that, that's what I'm, the, the end question I have. Why is that so, preacher? Why is that so, God? Why is everything, everything about life and living vanity? Remember now thy creator, verse 1. In the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, 
when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Okay, so what we have here first is the word remember. The preacher, who is Solomon, but let's just say the Spirit of God, is exhorting young people. That's why all the the families with young people and children should be here, really. He's exhorting young people to remember now. Obviously, he's not talking about their past. Remember your past. These are young people. These are people 12 years old, 13 years old. So when, uh, he's saying, remember in, in the sense that what I'm about to tell you, keep in mind. Put in your mind on a daily basis. Don't forget it. Don't ever forget it because of your youth and the days of your youth and the days of your joy and the days of your strength and the days of your stamina and all that goes on with young people, the vitality and the activities and the strength that you have. Remember your Creator. Remember the Creator, the one who made you. Keep that uppermost in your mind because you're going to have to save yourself from problems. And that's why I I looked at verses 9 and 10. Rejoice, young man, uh, in the previous chapter. Rejoice, young man, in thy youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. Yeah, it's wonderful to be young. You know that old expression, it's a shame that... uh, Youth is wasted on the young because they're so full of very much. They, they have so much going for them. And, uh, you know, you walk in the ways of your own heart and the sight of your eyes. Uh, but know this, that God's bringing you to judgment. I'm going to talk about what that judgment is in a minute. But he's bringing you to judgment. So, you know, you're not thinking about that because you're young and you're virile and you're animated. Every single day you pop out of bed. You jump up. You're ready to move on. You don't even pray. You don't even think about prayer. You just race on because you have other things to do, other interests. But then he says in verse 10, Therefore remove sorrow from your heart, put away evil from their flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. If you don't keep your Creator, your God in mind, it's going to turn, it's going to trouble you. Your youth is going to come back and bite you in a bad way if you don't keep in mind. The fact that childhood is brief. It's a vanity. When, when he says it's a vanity here in, uh, in verse 10, he's talking about uh, not so much uh, the infant stage of life, which is what, one year maybe? One and a half years, and then they start toddler time and toddler maybe up to three years old uh, as a toddler and then from three or four to about 12, 11, 12 years old, that's uh, childhood. And and then the young people, the, the youth that he's really addressing are like, we call them adolescents, but they call, call youth here. 
And that lasts for about six, seven years, right, from 13 to 19 or 12 to 18, around that time. So all total, you have about 18, 19 years of childhood and youth. Luther pointed out, Martin Luther pointed out, that we should train our young people. He's talking about the adolescents, uh, those of adolescent age from about 13 to 18 or 19. We should train them to be responsible adults while they're young like that. Because, think about it, they're only going to be adolescents in our language for about six or seven years. But they're going to be adults for about 50 years. So the most important aspect or part of your life is adulthood into old age. That's going to last you 40, 50, 60 years. Childhood is brief. That's what he's talking about when he says childhood, youth, it's vanity. Because to be vain or the vanity, the word means brief. It's something that passes. It's transitory. It's temporary. You're only going to be young temporarily, very briefly. It's a brief period of your life in comparison. So Luther pointed out that we should catechize and train our children uh, in youth to be responsible adults because that's the bulk of their life. That's where they're going to spend much of their time in adulthood on into old age. The days come when the joys of life that you find in youth fade, then to fade. Because of what? The infirmities of age and uh, the increasing limit, uh, limitations as a comma. What follows in the text is the contrast between youth and old age, which further explains when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. What he's referring to here. Uh, what the Spirit of God is teaching us is that when you get old, you don't have the same pleasure in the things that you did when you were young. When you were young and healthy and virile and animated, you, you sang, you danced, you played, you did all kinds of things. You don't have any pleasure in those things anymore because you're older, much older. He's talking about advanced age here the contrast between youth and advanced age. The limitation set in. Old age has come upon you. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, the elderly can remember the days of the, the youth and say, I don't really, I'm not really into that anymore. I know I, I say that now. And I'm only 72 compared to some of you. I'm a youngster. Well, not most of you, but some of you. <laughs> uh, you know, but even now, I, th- those things I did before, I'm not interested in them anymore. It's just, doesn't, it's, it's faded. Now, what he's going to get into now are the physical things that downgrade as we go, be, become old. And uh, the joys that we used to have, the, the uh, delights and the physical joys we had through our senses of seeing and hearing and, and the activities of taste and sound. 
those things. He gets into this verse by verse and how they become, how they, they go into decline and they downgrade and they drive us towards a certain destination, which is the judgment of God. And every one of us are going to enter into, if we live long enough, the judgment of God. Everyone. Christians, everyone. So, let's just move on and we'll, we'll see what that means. Uh, more of what that means in a little bit. While the sun, in verse 2, while the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. Okay, when you're young... The sun, the light, the moon, the stars, your eyes, in other words, are clear and they are bright and they are seeing well. And they're able to, uh, you know, when you, you go to sleep or when you have some troubles, you wake up and you're, it's bright again. It's, uh, it's, it's morning, so to speak, in your life. It's morning time. But now in old age, those things begin to fade. Uh, the, in old age, the, the sun, the light, the moon, in other words, your eyesight is getting worse. Uh, I, I noticed in my, my, myself, when I was young, I was uh, prescribed glasses. And uh, my vision was not too bad, but I, was, I had astigmatism and nearsightedness, which you have for life. But I took them off because I could see fine enough. And I could read even in the dark. I remember the, uh, the, uh, the electricity went out in New York City. It was that famous or whatever, that blackout, the whole East Coast. And uh, by candlelight, I was doing my math homework. Can you believe that? I wanted to finish my homework in the blackout. I mean, it was total blackout for a, a while uh, throughout the whole East Coast, I think, at that time. And I was doing my homework in the candlelight because I could see. I can't do that now. Even with glasses, I need more light. In fact, there's not enough light here, you know. Because, but because of, you know, when you get old, cataracts and things like that set in. And uh, it becomes dull. And the, the clouds return after the rain, you know, after the tribulations of the day or of the week. or so, And then the, the rain clears, but it never really clears for you in old age. The clouds still remain. It's cloudy. And so it's talking about that eyesight. Then in the following verse... He says, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves and the grinders cease because they are few and those that look out of the windows be darkened. Again, think about old age. This is a comparison between youth and old age. And he's warning the young people. He's, he's exhorting that to pay attention to your creator because this is coming. When your legs give out and you don't have the strength anymore, you know, the, the, the man is not as strong. The woman is not as strong and beautiful as she once was. Uh, the, uh, you know, your keepers, uh, the ones that keep you strong, that keep you erect, that keep you walking, that keep you going in the same direction without, you know, 
falling or something like that. Those things begin to weaken. The grinders, the teeth are fewer, right? Because, let's face it, they're ground down. They're, some of them are pulled out because they're infected or decayed. Uh, some fall out because you lose the teeth. The grinders are gone. And uh, you look out the window and it's not as bright and clear anymore. You can't see so clearly anymore. So that's what's going on in that particular verse. Uh, Then he continues, and just to mention what this commentator talked about, he said, we have canes and walkers, hip replacement surgery, dental care, dentures, glasses, eye surgery, and other means to compensate for the decline of old age. And then this uh, this little uh, phrase that this commentator adds is really quite good. Though, you know, all these things that I just named, canes, walkers, hip replacement surgery, so on and so forth, uh, they, uh, it's only an easing of the decline. Brothers and sisters, there's no cure for old age. What is happening to you or about to happen to you who are younger There is no cure. And the doors shall be shut, in the next verse, verse 4, and the doors shall be shut uh, in the street uh, when the sound of grinding is low and he shall rise up at the voice of the voice of the bird and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Uh, the, the grinding is low. You used to be able to hear from the other room the grinding of the flour to make the meal in the kitchen, but you're in the, you know, another room. But you can hear the grinding. But when you're older, you can't hear it so well. And the street, the noise from the street, you can't hear it all because your ears are just starting to shut. They're starting to close. The doors are beginning to close on your hearing. And uh, uh, the thing that you can hear maybe is the sound of a bird that's, you know, like the springtime's coming and the birds are coming back and you hear the song and it, it wakes you up. But you see, because you're so old, you can't, your sleep is not as deep anymore. You're woken like that and then you can't go back to sleep so you don't get the proper rest. You don't get as much rest as you you perhaps need. And uh, and the music, the daughters of music, Solomon had one of the glorious, splendid things of his temple was that he had musicians and he had music playing often and mo- probably most of the time. But his remark before that, I have no pleasure in them, is, is sort of a remark towards that, like I used to rejoice and just it was just so comforting and I, I loved it so much, but now... I can't hear so well. I can't see so well. I'm older, and I don't, I don't enjoy it like I used to enjoy it. I take no pleasure in them anymore. And then the next verse going on now is a com- sort of a commentary, verse by verse here. Verse 5, And when they shall be afraid of that which is high. Think of, I'm thinking even now when, you know, I look at the, at the basement, and the steps going down, what are about 12 or 13 of them? And I'm, 
I'm careful now. I don't want to fly down them like I did 10 years ago. I didn't fly down, up and down. It didn't matter to me. But now I'm very careful, step by step. And my shoe seems to be, and I'm only like a nine, but my shoe seems to be too big and it could hit the step and make me tumble. So you, you, that's what it's talking about, scared of those kind of heights, not the, on the edge of a building or something or a skyscraper. But heights seem to, you back off from them. And then... Uh, he goes on to say, and few shall be in the way. You know, you're afraid of these kind of things now. Uh, uh, like, uh, for example, walking and not tripping over something. Walking on the ice or the snow, very, very careful. You don't want to fall. You're afraid of these things now. These things, get, your equilibrium is not as great. Your balance is not the same. And so you're, you're very careful. And the almond tree shall flourish. An almond tree, when it flourishes, it turns white or pinkish white. And that's a reference to the white hair, the hoary head uh, that is on the aged. And the grasshopper shall be a burden. It's talking about there, the grasshopper, when it stops hopping around or flying or something like that, but when it's on the ground crawling, old age well, is more like the, it's a burden to, uh, more of a burden to walk or to run or to get around. Uh, you're slowing down. Uh, and the desire shall fail. The desire, not only outwardly, but now even inwardly, the desires that you used to have for food and drink and uh, physical pleasures and uh, things like that begin to fade. Uh, <clears throat> because man goes to his long home and the mourners go about the streets. And of course, that's referring, here it is, the judgment of God has come. And then the next verse I'll show you more, that uh, you die. Old age is simply a prelude to death. That's where everyone is heading. And the elderly know this best of all. I'm heading to the grave. The procession, my funeral procession is coming. It's knocking at the door. And then, in verse 6, it's even more, a little bit darker. Or ever the silver cord be loose, the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and seven as well, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So, this verse right here, verse 6, or ever the silver cord be loose, the golden bowl be broken, is talking about, you know, a, uh, a cord that's holding on to a bowl and it, it slips or it, and the bowl falls down and it breaks, the pitcher breaks, and you, when you go to the fountain to fill it, you can't be filled anymore because, the, you know, the water comes out of the, the hole in it or it's just broken so that you can't even use it anymore. The, the wheel uh, is broken at the cistern so that the wheel is collapsed and it's not all, uh, pumping in the water anymore. Things are that way. In other words, <clears throat> what's happened here. Uh, it's a picture of <clears throat> death is sort of a sudden thing. Uh, it's at the time of death. It's a it's a separation from life. 
that the silver cord, the golden bowl, the precious life that you have, worth more than silver and gold, but it's, it here is spoken of as gold and silver, that precious life that you had, you're separated from. And it's gone in an instant. It's all of a sudden. You were alive. Things were working. Not altogether well, but they were working. And then it's all done. It's, all, it's useless. Your life is over. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. The word dust in this particular verse is a slightly different from the word dust that God used in Genesis, back in Genesis uh, chapter 2. From dust you came, dust you shall return, chapter 3. This word dust means like a clod, C-L-O-D, clod of earth. In other words, it's talking about man being of the earth. He's going back to the earth from which he came. Man, mankind, men, women, are earthy, earthbound creatures. They are from the earth. They go back to the earth. You are earthy. And all your activities are earthy. Not a one is is worth anything long-lasting. Nothing is going to cure you. Nothing is going to raise you above earth level. You're all just into materialism. We are all into that, into earthliness and and uh, materialness, uh, materialism and sensation and our lives are full of that. Are full of uh, everything, almost everything we identify through our senses. And in youth, they're stimulated like crazy, but when you get old, the senses begin to die down. And you're returning to the dust. But the spirit, the breath that God gave the man at the beginning when he breathed life into him, that breath, we are told, returns to the one who created you. And then he concludes with saying, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And what we ought to get from all this, and as I said, it's, it's sort of a downward journey here. Young people don't think of it much, but the preacher, the teacher, the Holy Spirit is calling young people to remember their creator because you are going to the dust. That's what everything you're about, everything you're doing is returning to the earth because you are earthy. You are not a spirit. You are not an angel. You are not supernatural. You are very, very natural. And you're going back to it. And every single one of your activities, every single one of your activities, your, your education, your job, 
your raising up of your family, whatever you're doing, is not going to cure the judgment of God. The judgment of God is death. The wages of sin is death. And that's the judgment of God that all of us have to face. The wages of sin that God is judging every single human being on the planet death comes to it. And the aging process uh, is, a, uh, is the way that God works it out in a fallen world. In other words, he's judged us. He says, in the day you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge, in that day you shall surely die. Well, people say, well, he didn't die. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. The judgment of God was upon Adam. He died, what, at 900 but he died because the judgment of God was against him. And the way God worked out death is through old age. That's how he works out death through old age. His judgment is upon us. So what can we do? Everything we do is earthy. There's nothing spiritual about us except there is that breath. That life that God gave at the creation to man. He breathed in the breath of life. That returns to God. The only hope that we have, the only hope, because all our activities will never result, will, will never get, bring us above earth level. That, that's where we're going, back down. But the thing that will bring us Beyond this earth, the activity, if you will, that will bring us is the Redeemer. God has set a Redeemer to redeem you. Soul first, and then body. If he comes before we die, then it's body and soul. He set forth a Redeemer to redeem us, not by something earthly, not by something you can purchase or something you can work towards or something you can strive at, but something much better than that, much otherworldly. And he provides grace. You go to God in Jesus Christ for grace. And it's the grace of God that's going to lift you beyond your earthly existence to a heavenly realm, to a better realm to a realm in which you will live forever and ever with delight and joy in your youth, if you want, as if you were young again. But there's nothing earthly. There's nothing man can do. There's no activity he can engage in that will bring him beyond pay dirt. It's all going to just collapse into the dust. But Christ, the grace of God and Jesus Christ will lift you up beyond any human capability can, can lift you. That's the message here at this point anyway. Vanity of vanity, said the preacher, all is vanity. Anything you do is not going to save. The only hope you have is in Jesus Christ. And the only way you can get there is through the grace of God, through faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Lord, we do thank you for your word. Your word is, is stunning. 
And it, uh, it really hits us at home. I mean, it's so clear that uh, what, what he's talking about, what the, the wise writer is talking about here in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 at the end and in these first eight verses of chapter 12. Uh, and we are to take note that the only hope we have in this life is to remember our Creator, the one who has created us and will recreate us in the image of His dear Son, which is Jesus Christ. And we, as those who are a little older and wiser, need to train our children and our grandchildren well and press upon them the need to remember God first. Put him before your eyes every day so that in old age you're ready to meet him. We are ready, Lord. Make us more ready. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's in closing sing hymn number.